Hello, and welcome to the Alenia Church Podcast, your place to catch all of Alenia Church's previous messages, messages designed to equip you on your journey with Christ. Today begins our new series, Money Matters, and doesn't it ever. Money is a part of our everyday life. We use it to put a roof over our head, food on the table, and clothes on our backs. We also use it to enjoy life, buy the things we want, and have experiences to remember. But what does God say about our finances and possessions? This first episode is foundational to our understanding of money and stuff. So tune in and learn a principle that will set you free from the daily financial worries we are all so prone to. Enjoy. Go ahead and have a seat this morning. Man, it's great worship. Can you give it up for our worship team this morning? Talented, talented people. And, they, are, and they, they give, they give of themselves. So uh, uh, yesterday we got to uh, do an outreach project in the park. And man, that was so much fun. Just getting to meet new families. And uh, uh, kids love to paint. Who, who would have known that? Um, I was not a painter as a kid. Um, um, but they love to paint. And they did some beautiful paintings. And it was just, a, just an awesome opportunity just to get out into the community. And then also when I walked in, um, uh, the, someone who works from the school, they walked up to me and they had a letter that uh, someone had sent to the school thinking this was our address. And uh, it was the hospital just saying, thank you. Uh, we got to put together some gift baskets uh, for a lot of people in the um, uh, ICU in that area, and they're, they've been working so hard, and that was just a, a blessing. They just sent a card to say thank you. So I want to say thank you to you all that you guys are able to make that happen. Um, we always have things going on, so just stay tuned uh, to our website and social media for outreach projects that we have going on. And last week, we got to meet with someone um, with uh, Advancing Native Missions as one of our global outreach partners. And just got to talk to them, share our heart about what we want to do globally as a church and start dreaming about some um, mission trips coming up uh, in 2022. So stay tuned. Because by 2022, there will be no COVID, right? It'll be completely gone. Just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that. Uh, let me read our verse today. And uh, we're in a new series called Money Matters. Um, and I'm going to read this verse to you, and you're probably going to say, what does that have to do with money? But just hear me out. So Matthew 13, 18 through 23, um, Jesus tells a, a story in uh, chapter 13. talks about the parable of the sower. So you have a sower, and he's taking seed, and he's throwing it out, and he, and he, he gives this whole story. And I love the disciples because I, I very much, they're human and they don't get it a uh, majority of the time. Uh, a lot of the Gospels is, God, is Jesus going, don't you get it? Um, and asking the disciples, why don't you understand yet? Uh, how long do I have to keep teaching you? And so uh, they were like, hey, can you explain this sower story to me? And this is what Jesus says. It says, so listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one sown along the path. And the one sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, but he has no root and is short-lived. We know people like that, right? When distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he falls away. 
Now the one sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But the one sown on good ground, this is the one who hears and understands the word and who does produce fruit and yields some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty times what was sown. I read this passage uh, several months ago, about six months ago I read this passage, and it, and it became very, very clear to me as a future uh, pastor, uh, we were getting ready to launch the church, I read that verse in a new light and I realized that one of my responsibilities as a pastor and one of our responsibilities as a church is to create fertile ground, is to till up the ground and to create fertile ground and to, and to help people when they receive the word to receive that seed, let it develop, to water it, to grow it, to cultivate it, to, to get rid of the weeds, to get rid of the thorns and allow you to produce fruit. I mean, that's, that's our cultural values. You walk down the hallway and you see that our cultural values are all about the fruits of the Spirit. That I believe that someone who is pursuing this life of Christ would, would exude love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. And if you talk to one of the kids coming out of Alinea Kids, that's what they're learning in Alinea Kids. They're learning about the fruits of the Spirit. They're learning about what self-control is. They're learning about what patience is. And Jesus makes it very clear in this story that one of the things that can hinder you from producing fruit in your life is this idea of worries and cares and the deceitfulness of wealth. I remember in the fourth grade, fourth grade was a pivotal year for me. I don't mean to age myself, but that was a, that was a year that the, the, the Challenger exploded. I remember, I remember it was a snow day in East Tennessee. Um, I remember my fourth grade teacher. I remember that she had actually applied to be in that program, my fourth grade teacher. But I remember one day, I was, uh, I was the kid that the teacher trusted. I was sorry, I was the teacher's pet. And uh, so she said, hey, I need you to go out to my car. I remember it was a, a what was a, the Eagle, Eagle Talon? It was like a four-wheel drive car looking thing. Yes, thank you. I got that right. And she said, I need you to go out in my car, and I need you to get this bowl. It's in the back, and it's a crystal bowl. And I need you to be really careful with this crystal bowl. This crystal bowl was my great-grandmother's. I mean, she started giving me this whole story, so I need you to be really careful. So it immediately, now, well, not immediately, at the time I didn't think anything of it. Now, as someone my age, I'm looking back and thinking about the, the, the thought process of a teacher, fourth-grade teacher, sending a fourth-grader out to go getting something that was so priceless to her. So I go out to the car, and I grab this bowl, and I walk in, and I'm going down the hallway, and there's no one in the hallway. There's nothing in the hallway. It's not like it's an obstacle course. It's much like a hallway right here. And somehow, someway, magically, the bowl slips from my hands and crashes to the ground into a million pieces. And I felt about this tall. And I, I, I was like, I, I got a couple of options. Uh, option number one, I can run away. It's a pretty good option. Option number two is uh, uh, similarly, I could just disappear. I can act like nothing happened. What bowl? Send me out. Do what? No. Um, and option number three was I had to go fess up. So I went to the teacher and I told her what happened. 
and I, and I felt horrible, and, and, and she was very kind, and she was very gracious to me. And uh, I, I remember her kindness, and I remember her graciousness, but I also remember, even to this day, how much importance she put on this little glass bowl that I destroyed. Why do things have so much value to us? Why do we put so much value into things? And a lot of it has to do with the advertising that we see that they sell us that your, your life is going to be better because you have this one thing. Or maybe it was something that was handed down to you. We've got this clock that, that's got the pendulum and it goes around and it gongs. And, you know, my father-in-law said that um, it came over on the Mayflower and that there was cowboys and Indians out you know, fighting. When the, and I don't believe any of that. Um, but it, it's a clock that has some intrinsic value to it. We stress out over material things like the, the more stuff you have, the more stressed you get. The, mo- the more you're like, I gotta, I've got to control these things. I've got I've to keep them safe. I've, now we buy things and now we, now we rent storage so that we can store the stuff that we don't use, that we bought, that we think that one day that we're going to use, but we actually never end up using it. In fact, I was looking up some statistics this morning, and it, it says, uh, it was a CNN poll, it says 77% of Americans feel anxious about their financial situation. 58% feel that finances control their lives. I mean, how many of us can, can um, relate to that, that we feel like finances controls our lives, that that's the conversation in our house most of the time as we're we're talking about how we can move this from this budget to that budget and how we're going to pay for braces and how we're even going to take a vacation this year and what are we going to do for Christmas. 52% have difficulty controlling their money-related worries. And the things that we worry about, we worry about, well, how am I going to retire? We're worried about how are we going to keep up with the cost of living. We, we worry about how we're going to manage the levels of debt we have. We're always worried about money. We're worried about cash. We're worried about how we're going to make ends meet. And uh, Some people have a good humor about it. There's a comedian. Her name is Sophie Tucker, and she says this. Uh, From birth to 18, a girl needs good parents. From 18 to 35, she needs good looks. From 35 to 55, she needs a good personality. And from 55 on, she just needs cash. But God's not surprised, right? In fact, you look at the Bible, 500 verses on faith, of around 500 verses on prayer, over 2,000 verses on money and possessions. Why does God place such a high level of importance on material and possessions? And I think it can be found in this verse right here from Matthew. It says, No one can serve two masters since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't serve them both. In fact, if you look at some of the translations you have, maybe you have the King Jimmy, and it'll say, it'll translate this to, you can't serve both God and mammon. 
Mammon is the, uh, is the Aramic word for, for wealth. And what was happening there is when they pinned that, they were personifying this idea of money and wealth. That, in fact, Jesus was personifying this idea that there is this God of wealth, there is this God of money, and he is at odds with me, Jesus Christ. And that makes sense, right? Because as soon as we set something up, as soon as we set up something that was created as God itself, we now have a false God. I mean, look at Genesis 3.1. It says this. It says, Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really, did God really say that? Did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden. And here you have something that was created, the serpent, setting itself up as God, and now you have a false God. In fact, he's trying to speak the words of God instead of God himself. He's saying, did God really say that? And what's even worse is when mankind takes something that was created and then turns that into a God. You think about the Israelites when Moses came down from the mountain and, and they had set up the golden calf. They were worshiping something that was created. They were worshiping something that was trying to take the dominion and power away from God. What do I mean by that? Well, we say that money provides. We say that money gives us peace. We say that money gives us assurance. We say that money provides joy. We say that money provides happiness. But we know that in our heart of hearts, that is not true. And when we say those things and when we set those things up to have the dominion and the authority of God, we have set up mammon in our lives. We have set up a false god. Now, I understand, I understand money. I understand the trials of money. I understand how money can affect us. I understand what it's like making a budget. I understand what it's like not having enough money. I remember when my wife and I first got married, we had our phone call. We were talking about money. I was in Tennessee. No, I was in Texas. She was in Tennessee. And the older you get, the stories change, but I think that this is right. I was in Texas. She was in Tennessee. She was still in college. She was saying, this is all the money I have, and this is all the debts I have. And I said, oh, this is all the money I have, and this is all the debts I have. And then it just turned into weeping and gnashing of teeth. Uh, I specifically remember my wife crying. And my wife is not a crier. She's like, we're not going to be able to make it. We're not going to have enough money. We're not going to do it. And somehow God provided. Somehow God provided. So what I want to do today is I want to give you one truth, make it really simple. I want to take that truth, I want to give you one ramification, and then from that one ramification, I want to give you one application, all right? So the truth first that we need to remember, and this is going to set up the entire series. Like if you, if you get this one thing, if, if over four weeks you're here every week and you take notes and you forget everything I say, please don't forget this one thing. And it's this, God owns it all. It is all God's. God created the heavens and the earth. God created you. God created everything that you see. In fact, you look at Psalms and it says, The earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants, belong to the Lord. For he laid its foundation on the seas and established it on the rivers. The heavens indeed, the highest heavens, belong to the Lord your God. 
as does the earth and everything in it. I got another verse up. I found that I didn't put this in here, but I thought it was so good because a lot of times what we do is pride rises up and we're like, uh, no, that's not true. God didn't provide my wealth. I worked for that. I labored. I sacrificed. I worked 80-hour weeks. I gave up this. I gave up that. I, I worked myself to the bone. But you read Deuteronomy 8.18, it says, But remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth, in order to confirm his covenant, he swore to your ancestors as it is today. What God is saying is like, listen, you're able to do that because I put that gift inside of you. You're able to do that because I made those things happen around you. You know that job promotion you got? Yeah, it was me. You know that, 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 uh, that skill that you have that everybody's like, man, why are you so analytical? Why do you like spreadsheets so much? I created you that way. That God gives us the ability to produce wealth. Now, some of us are better than others at taking advantage of the ability to produce wealth. I know some people that they, they have an analytical mind. I have an analytical mind. But they have an analytical mind, and they're able to go start a business, and boof. They've got a business, and they turn around, and they sell it, and then they make millions of dollars. And I'm like, why can't I do that? I would like to be able to do that. But God created them to have this entrepreneurial mindset and this entrepreneurial mind. And, and they made lots of mistakes in the past and they failed and they learned from their failures and they, they got better at it. And we just see like the, the highlight reel and we don't see all the pain and the agony it took for them to get to that point. But God put that in them. God created them to be that way. God created you to be the way that you are. God owns everything that you see. It says, I will not take a bull from your household or male goat. What? What are you talking about? Look at this. For every animal of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. Because a lot of times we, we think that the Bible, the Bible must talk about money 2,000 times because God needs your money. This is what God's saying. I don't need your stuff. If I wanted your stuff, I'd beat you up, turn you upside down, shake it out of you, and take your stuff. So when I was, uh, when I was growing up, we had a preacher. He would, would kind of rephrase this verse. He'd say, God owns the hills, he owns the cattle in the thousand hills, and he owns the taters in them hills. But look what it keeps saying. I know that every bird of the mountains and the creatures of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and everything in it is mine mine. So if that is the truth, that it, God owns it all, what is the ramification? The ramification is this. We are stewards, not owners. We are stewards, not owners. We are caretakers. We are, we are entrusted with this wealth that God gives us. We're entrusted with the gifts that God gives us. We're entrusted with the earth that God gives us. If you put your money in the bank, I don't know if you Bank at Bank of America, or you bank at Pinnacle, or you bank at Regency, you, you, you bank at Redstone, you give them your money. Do they own the money? Not a trick question. The answer is no. They don't own the money. They have been entrusted to steward your money well. And if, you don't stu if they don't steward your money well, guess what you will do? You will take that money and you will move it to a competitor because you believe the competitor will steward the money better 
than the bank that you had it with. The banks are responsible. We are responsible. We're much like a bank that God gives us abilities. He gives us, he gives us our lives and he asks us to steward our lives well, to steward the money that he puts into our pockets well, to make a difference to the people around us. In fact, you look at everything in the Bible, it always has this idea of selflessness. It always has this idea of looking out for others. You look at the book of Acts and you look at the early church, it says that they sold everything they had and gave it to everybody as they had need. That they were taking care of each other. Why is that verse there? Because when Acts broke out, when Pentecost happened and the church began to blow up in Jerusalem, there was extreme persecution. Extreme persecution. So much so that the new believers weren't able to buy and sell in the marketplace anymore. There was such persecution that they were going broke. They were going hungry. And so the early church got together and said, you know what? We're going to take care of each other. We're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to sell this. I'm going to, I've, I've got this old uh, Cuisinart mixer. I'm going to sell it and I'm going to give it to Bobby Sue. And don't you all love my names? I don't know where they come from. Bobby Sue, Mary Lou, I've got, I've got them all. So we are stewards, we are not owners. Look what Luke says. Jesus says, whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. So if you have not been faithful with worldly wealth, who will trust you with what is genuine? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give you what is your own? So this idea, you see that Jesus is saying, hey, this wealth thing, this, this, is, this, is, this has ramifications. Like I want, you to be, I want you to be faithful in a small thing. To God, it's a small thing. To us, it's a big thing, right? But to God, it's like, hey, I, I own it all. For me, this is a small thing, and I want you to be faithful in this small thing. Why? Because he wants to put more into you. He says, how can you be faithful with little? Because I want you to be faithful with the little so I can give you what's genuine. That I can, I can bless you with genuine things. That I can that I can entrust you with other things. He's talking about spiritual matters. This is not a, this is not a verse about give God a dollar and he's a genie and he gives a hunter back. That's not what this is about. This is like, hey, money is a reflection of what's going on inside your heart. That if you're faithful to little, God knows that I can allow you to be faithful with much. It's a test. John Wesley, he says this, he says, when the, when the professor of heaven and earth brought you into being and placed you in this world, he placed you here not as a proprietor, but as a steward. Not as a proprietor, but as a steward. And if we can look at our lives and we can look at our finances and we can realize that, okay, I don't own this. This is God's. And if I don't own this and it's God's and I'm supposed to be a steward of what God entrusts to me, what kind of decisions would I make if I realize that? 
You know, another, a simpler way of saying this, Andy Stanley says that it's not what you have, it's what you do with what you have. So if that's the case, invite God into your finances. If God owns it all, and we are stewards and we are not owners, this is the application I want you to have. Invite God into your finances. We're really good at inviting God into our finances when we have no finances. Right? You're like getting on your knees like, dear God, if I could just win this lottery, everything will change. Is that $670 million I saw this morning? Good heavens. We invite God into our lives when we're desperate. We invite God into our lives when nothing's going right. That's why one of the things that we say here is we pray as a first resort, not as a last resort. That God wants, to, God wants you to invite him into the process of managing your money. And throughout this whole series, we're going to, talk, we're going to be talking about how God has given us principles and how we can manage our money and how we can find joy and peace in our finances and how God has actually placed in Scripture principles and precepts to allow us to live out our Christian life without worrying about this. Why? Because going all the way back to the very first verse that we read this morning, God does not want you in your life to allow the thorns and the briars and the cares and the deceitfulness of wealth and the things that drag us down to choke you out and for you to not be fruitful. Because you think about that. You think about maybe in your life, you think about someone you know, you think about how much God has put inside of them, how much he's gifted them, how much, uh, how much natural talent they have, whatever the case may be, and you realize that maybe something in their life financial has strapped them down and kept them from being able to pursue the principles and pursue the purposes that God has put in their life. Proverbs says this, that trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding in all your ways. Know him. Some verses say in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. God wants to come alongside of you in this seemingly worldly thing of money. Seemingly worldly thing of possessions. Seemingly worldly thing of stuff. And God wants you to invite him to come alongside of you in this whole journey because he owns it all. And if he owns it all, maybe he knows what to do with it. And if he knows what to do with it, maybe he can put some things into you and into your life and into your brain and, and help you make decisions about how you should budget your money and maybe help you make decisions about how you should be generous and maybe open your eyes to people around you that you can bless and that you can be involved with. And that is what God wants to do in our lives. Because as Jesus says, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Unless you're a 12-year-old at Christmas. And then there's like, give me, give, give, receive, receive, receive. But God wants us to move past that. And he wants us to move to a life that is full of joy and full of peace. A life that is full of his touch, full of his blessing. God wants to know that he can trust you with what he puts into your bank account. God wants to know that he can trust you with the little things because he wants you to be a conduit 
He wants you to be a conduit to the people around you. He wants you to be a conduit to this world that it's not just money. Think, I mean, we're thinking about money and, and money matters in this whole series, but just think about your life. Think about the gospel message that God has blessed you with this gospel message. That we know that we know that there is, there is this void between us and our God that created us, that loved us, that created us on purpose and for a purpose. And there's this void, there's this gap, there's this, there's this disease called sin where, where we have missed the mark, where we cannot even be in God's presence because of what's inside of us, that we have, that we have broken God's commandments, that we have broken God's law, that we that God is so holy and so just. But God made a way, says that when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, to, to take the place, take the place for our penalty, for our sin on the cross. And then three days later, says three days later, he got up out of the ground, that he rose from the grave. And that message that, we have it. Hopefully all of us have responded to and hopefully all of us know Christ. And if you don't, I'm going to give you an opportunity to know him today. But this idea of being faithful with little, it even goes to this idea of the gospel that are we faithful with the message that God has placed in us? Are we faithful with this gospel message? Are we faithful with the person of Jesus Christ that is in us? Are we allowing ourselves to be conduits to our neighbors? Are we allowing ourselves to be conduits to our coworkers? Are we allowing ourselves to be conduits to our family members? And God knows that Thanksgiving's coming up and Crazy Uncle Harry's gonna be there and you don't wanna be around Crazy Uncle Harry, but he needs Jesus. And that relationship that you have with your parents, maybe they're maybe a, a, an estranged friend, maybe, maybe uh, someone that God's put into your circle that as you share the love of Christ, as you exude love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness, faithfulness and self-control, they look at you and they say, there's something different about you. And you say, as a conduit, you say, absolutely. It's the person of Jesus Christ that changed my life. So I want to ask you to bow your heads and to close your eyes and give everybody an opportunity to receive Jesus this morning and if you have prayed to receive Christ in the past that's awesome I'm so proud of you I want I want to come alongside of you in this Christian journey but if you haven't I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me I'm going to ask everybody to pray it for the first time pray it after me repeat it out loud for those who are praying it for the first time everybody say dear Jesus I love you I have fallen short of your glory. I have sinned, but I believe that you are Lord, that God rose you from the dead, that you died for me. Come inside my heart. Make me a new creation. In your name we pray. Amen. As we wrap up today's episode, we have just two questions to ask. What is God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? If you prayed to receive Christ today, 
Would you take a moment and let us know by filling out the form at alineachurch.org forward slash connect? We'd love to come alongside of you and begin praying for you. Thank you to everyone who supports Alinea Church financially. We couldn't do this without you. If you would like to take a step and begin giving to this ministry, you can do so at alineachurch.org forward slash give. Every dollar goes to helping us spread the message of Jesus to the world around us. Last but not least, take a few moments to like, subscribe, rate, and leave comments wherever you get your regular diet of podcasts. It helps us out a lot, and it really means a lot to us that you choose to give us a few minutes of your week. If you live in the Murfreesboro area, we sure would love to see you in person, so come visit us. And remember, God loves you, He sees you, and He wants the best for you. God bless.